Welcome back to another Fireside Chat as part of our Global Supply Chain Week. I'm Kaylee Nix here for Freight Waves, and we're talking to Vice President of Sales and Operations for Irby Utilities, Corby Keeney out of Fort Worth. How are you doing today, Corby? Oh, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate hearing some insight mm -hmm. from our folks on the energy side of things. So first things first, give us a little bit of background about you and your background in the energy industry. Okay, well, I, I work for Irby Utilities, and, and uh, we are an electrical distributor uh, for the utility sector. So the high-voltage guys, we provide uh, material services and logistical services for utilities across the country. Um, I am a regional vice president of sales and operations for Irby, and um maintain a territory of seven states from Colorado, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Louisiana. So you guys have a lot of people centered around the Gulf Coast, specifically around Houston and the oil industry down there. Tell me a little bit about the landscape of the energy industry right now, especially along the Gulf Coast and in the Texas Panhandle. Yeah, so so it's very it's very volatile right now, and especially um, with the uh, natural disasters that we've had this year, um, we we are having a difficult time getting material. And as you know, utilities utilities can't build infrastructure and build their customers um, if they don't have material. And uh, it, it has been a crazy, crazy year. And the panhandle of Texas is not quite as bad as the coast. Um, but as you know, everything that happens across the country that is a detriment to material supply, it really affects everybody. So, yeah. So you talk about 2020 being a crazy year, and it was actually a record year for billion-dollar disasters for the United States. And of course, the Gulf Coast, it seemed like it had a target on its back. Louisiana, the, Gulf, the coast of Louisiana was impacted by, I believe it was three landfalling hurricanes, two of them being major hurricane status. Did any of your customers see specific impacts from those storms? We had, uh, so we have branches uh, located all along the coast of the U.S., uh, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to uh, Florida, and in Houston even. And uh, the first hurricane, which I believe was Hannah, uh, devastated two of our largest customers down there. One of them lost um, you know, they had no power to any customer. Um, so it, it um, about the time they got the power back on, another one would hit, it seems. So, so it, yeah, it was a crazy year, crazy year. And I'm sure, of course, that the pandemic, pandemic only increased those effects that you guys saw, whether that be from personnel shortages or just the inability to get people together to create that recovery. How did that impact you guys? Oh, absolutely. Um, luckily, most of the restoration effort we were doing was outside. So it, it was not as bad as it could have been. Um, we maintained, you know, social distancing and we wore masks. But you, as you know, the risk 
is just not as bad if you're outside and, and you keep that distance. So it, it was not a, it was not huge, a huge detriment. Which that's really encouraging to hear because we've heard a lot from mm. other folks in the logistics and manufacturing industry talking about having to move to working from home, whether that be in a brokerage or anyone who manages mm -hmm. that transportation. So even the manufacturing industry taking a hit with people not being able to work in factories. Mm -hmm. So it's super good that mm -hmm. you guys had the ability yeah. to stay keeping people's lights on mm -hmm. because you guys are outside. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you guys have a lot of your customer base centered in that Houston area. Um, can you speak to me a little bit about how you guys handled recovery from Hurricane Harvey, which is, of course, one of the biggest disasters to strike Houston in recent memory? Mm hmm. Yeah, so uh, our largest customer in Houston is is the investor-owned utility down there, Centerpoint Energy, and um, we we have an alliance with those guys, so we supply them 100% of their material. Um, their main distribution center flooded, so as you can imagine, uh, that created a whole set of um, additional plans that we had to kick into gear because we couldn't do what we normally did. Uh, we brought in close to 75 employees from across the company. Uh, we engaged um, our fleet and our, our um, fleet partners to help us and we moved, we moved inventory out of that central distrib distribution center to lay down yards and we're able to operate a little further north than, than what we had to. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was crazy. So Irby has its own fleet that's responsible for actually moving the things that your utility customers need, correct? We do, we do. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about we, the importance of accurate forecasting when it comes to you guys utilizing that fleet and moving things out to your customers. How important is it to know, let your drivers know, let your managers know, hey, this is what you might run into on the roads? Yeah, well, that's, uh, it's, it's extremely important. And, and quite frankly, we, we, um, we don't really have a good service for doing that. You know, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but um, if we, yeah, if we knew what was ahead of us and could change that route or change that load or bring it from another branch, because we are located all over the country, it, it would be a huge advantage for us. I'm going to have to get yeah. you connected with a couple of our guys who have our sonar technology, because that's one of our things rolled into our freight waves package. Yeah, I'll give them your number. They'd, be, yeah. they'd love to talk to you about that. That would be great. That would be Especially, great. Especially, of course, yeah. as weather gets more volatile, we're heading into that spring severe weather season in Texas. And, you know, predictions are pretty good as far as forecasting severe weather now. But what about your customers mm -hmm. preparing for any of those strong storms? What do they need to do in, like, to let you guys know about preparation for storm season? Yeah, so, so most of our customers take this very seriously. And, and if you're a customer like Centerpoint in Houston, um, when you go through two or three of those, uh, you learn to start preparing for them. So, so they have storm teams, they have storm committees, and they have an extensive storm plan. 
that we participate in from the material and the logistics side. And there are step-by-step -step actions that are to take place when, when they engage uh, the storm plan or the emergency operations plan. So as we come up on severe weather season, which for Texas and that service area that's in the kind of central plains area runs from about March to the beginning of June, talk to me a little bit about what your customers do in preparation for that severe weather season. Yeah, so so if if you're a large utility and you have your customers affected by a hurricane, it it doesn't you don't have to go through too many before you start developing a rather extensive plan to to be ready for those. And they um, all of those customers down there have um, extensive emergency operation plans that. Um, they ask us to participate in uh, from a material and logistics side of what they do. And so uh, we meet with them regularly on the EOP plans. Um, we tell them how we can participate. And it's uh, mainly, um, you know, the, I guess when you, in a hurricane, when you have so many customers affected, the reason they're effective, affected is down power lines. And um, they need material and they need a way to get it there quickly. And so that's, that's where we come in. Do you guys have plans that, where you work with local municipalities when it comes to the cleanup? Like, do they do the cleanup so you, your guys can get in and do the fixing? How, do, how does that partnership work? So, so it's normally the, it's the contractors hired by the utility and um, the linemen of the utility that are putting everything together, um, putting it back up, putting the pieces back in place. And we are just warehousing the material, delivering it to them wherever they need it. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. So kind of. A 180 here, but one of the hot talking points mm -hmm. of a new presidential administration is towards the pivot of renewable energy infrastructure. Um, if mm -hmm. we end up making that pivot and it becomes more commonplace for wind, solar energy to take over, as opposed to traditional means of energy, what would that shift towards renewables mean for the business that you guys do? So, so the uh, the that's the generation of the power, right? How it's done, whether it's a gas power plant or a um, a solar field or a wind generator field, that's how it's generated, and so that power still has to get to the grid and get into the wherever it goes into the grid, get to the city or the rural community that they need the power. And so that takes material, it takes power lines. The need for those power lines won't change. Um, so, you know, we, we do sell, we get involved in the construction of some of those solar and wind uh, farms with, uh, from the material side. But as far as the utilities, they, they still have to build line to get that power to wherever they need it. So um, not, not a big change for them. Right. 
That makes sense when you think yeah. about it. The power gets generated right. from all kinds of sources, but you still got to get it from point A to right. point B, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So right. right now, a lot of the generation is focused in fracking and fossil fuels and oil that's out in the Permian Basin. Do you foresee any kind of expansion into the wind and the solar industry kind of taking over that traditional oil field um, type of landscape? Well, I, I think a lot of that is gonna de, going to be determined by this, this new president and, and what he does with regards to um, the oil field and the oil companies. We're already seeing um, with the Keystone Pipeline, he's already made a decision on that. Um, I, I feel like you will see a shift to renewables big time in the next certainly two to four years that he's in office. And um, what that does to the oil field, it's hard to say, but but it typically it typically hurts it. And we've seen that in years past. If you look at um, the in, you know the last hundred years of the oil business and the oil patches across the country, they are extremely volatile and they run in cycles. And it's you know to me it's just a matter of time. We've been on a high for several years now, and it it's about time for a valley. So. Everything ends up in that cyclic nature, especially when it comes to these markets mm -hmm. like that. What would that mean for jobs, do you think, if we do see that pivot towards renewables? And of course, you guys are still going to need your linemen, what are essentially frontline workers mm -hmm. for you guys to put those lines up and mm -hmm. get that power to people. Right, right. Yeah. So, gosh, you know, any time the price of oil is down, the job market is uh, in those those affected areas is bad. You know, it's it's a huge detriment. Um, some of that shifts to the renewables, um, but it it's it's uh, typically not a one for one switch. You know, the the so the the unemployment is it grows greatly during those times. So we hear a lot, especially in talking to people across the transportation industry, about the emerging technology in the industry, especially when it comes to autonomous vehicles and self-driving trucks, stuff like that. And a lot of that technology is actually being tested along that I-10, I-20 corridor through New Mexico, through West Texas, and down through those really those straight places where there's not a lot of people on the roads. Um, do you foresee any utilization of that self-driving technology in the energy industry, maybe even for you guys? So I, I, I don't, and here's why, because our, our drivers are so key to what we do once we get there. Um, we, have, we have piggyback forklifts on a lot of our trucks, um, so... You know, not sure. Uh, we do a lot of self-unloading with those, so I'm not sure how that would happen um, if 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 it was a self-driving truck. Um, you know, I, I, you never say never, right? But I, I, uh, our people are what makes us successful. Our drivers and our warehouse people. 
So I I don't I don't see that happening, but but I would never say never. I've seen some of those videos of the industrial sized transformers being offloaded off flatbeds where they're essentially just put up on like almost like railroads and they just slide down off the truck mm -hmm. and someone that's self-driving yeah. definitely can't do that, at least without some massive <laughs> yeah. damage to the machine. Yeah. Now that would be bad. That would be bad. You have anything else that you want to tell us today about what's going on in Texas? Oh, not not much, other than we're just busier than ever, and and uh, materials harder to get than I've ever seen it because of uh, the natural disasters that we've discussed and the fires in California and the few ice storms that we've had this winter, you know, I, I could just go on and on, but um, they are turbulent, turbulent times for the electrical uh, distribution business for sure. Absolutely. And if people want to reach out to you, maybe they've got some business that Irby can help with, where should I send them to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can have them email or call me. I'd be glad if I can't help, I can certainly direct them in the right direction. Awesome. Are you on LinkedIn as well? We tend to direct a lot of our people towards LinkedIn. I am. I am. I am on LinkedIn. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today for Global Supply Chain Week, and we'll get people talking to you soon, Corby. Okay. Thank you, mm -hmm. Kaylee.